0: turning your bible to the book of first peter the book of first peter you know we trust christ as our savior that is what gives us the free gift of eternal life so i trusted christ as my savior so god promised that he'd give me eternal life so i know i have eternal life because god cannot lie so because I have eternal life, it lasts forever. Because it lasts forever and all my sins are paid. I know I'm going to heaven when I die. That can never be changed. can't be altered. God can't change his mind. I am so glad. Because, you know, aren't you glad God doesn't make mistakes? Oh, I saved you, but that was a mistake. i to take you, Rub your name out. No, once he does it, it's done. He says, the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. God doesn't change his mind. He doesn't give it to you today and then yank it away tomorrow. So we know that we have eternal life. Sometimes we'd love to know what's coming down the road. Okay, why didn't God just take me on to heaven? Well, He left us here because there's things He wants us to do. Gave us the greatest calling in all the world. That's a high calling. It's one that didn't come from this world. So what we live for is not from this world. We're listening to somebody else outside of this world telling us what He wants us to do. So the Lord Jesus Christ, who died on the cross, paid for our sins, has a purpose for our life. Sometimes we'd love to know what's going to happen down the road. Well, you know, believe it or not, the Lord does tell us a little bit about what's going to happen down the road. And then He says, if they will do this to the master, what are they going to do to the servant? So you look here in 1 Peter in chapter 4. I'll look there in verse 12. In verse 12, it says, Beloved, think it not strange concerning that wonderful Rose-colored trail that you're going to be walking down. With roses all on both sides and it's going to smell so wonderful and be so nice and everything's going to happen wonderful for you. You like that verse? That's the Yankee version. That's the Yankee version. But that's that's not what he said. Look look what he did say. Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery, fiery trial. Wait a minute. Stop the earth. I want off. Fiery trial, which is to try you. It's not maybe, it it is. It's going to try you. As long as you and I live in this world, we can face one fiery trial after the other. But he says, as though some strange thing happened unto you. So God does want us to know that there are some fiery trials on down the road. And then he makes this statement in verse 15 But let none of you suffer as a murderer. You're going to suffer. But don't suffer because you did things wrong. Let it be that if you suffer, you suffered for well-doing. You did right, and you paid a price for it. You know, we think sometimes if we do right, everything's going to go smooth. Not necessarily. I've had a little bit of everything happen. And the more I love people, the more I wind up being hurt. You know, if you didn't love people, it wouldn't hurt you what they say and do, because I don't care about it. But when somebody you know and you care about and you love... They can, they can hurt you the deepest. Well, that's what happens. So you see there in verse 16, Yet if any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on this behalf. Because you see, it will be worth it all. So the Bible does tell us that yes, we're going to suffer. But that's I, something I want you to see. Turn back to your left to the book of Hebrews in chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12 And as you and I, as a child of God, we run the race that God has set before us. And there is a race. And this is what he wants us to do. And so as we run this fiery race, trials on every hand and stumbling blocks and thorns, and you're going to get hurt. And when you get hurt, you know, it's like somebody just jabbing you with a needle. You know, it's thorns along the way. And so he makes this statement here in verse 2, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Now you stop and think about it. Could a righteous person be put to more shame than what Jesus was? Think of what the most righteous person that's ever been on this planet And look how he was treated. Now some believe he was literally stripped naked and hung on a cross and hung there in shame. I I don't know. But just what they said and did to him. I mean, he said he was the king. So they put a crown of thorns on his head. Put a robe on him. After they'd already beaten and blooded his back. And Don't you know that that would dry into that blood and then rip it off of him? Says so they spit on him, they slapped his face, put a thing over his head so they didn't see. He says, Who smitest him? And they'd hit him in the face and then pull out his beard. All the things that they did to him. And he let them do that to him. His own creation. He let his own creation. And why didn't he come into the world? Because he so loved them. And then he let them do that to him. You know, we're not quite the same, are we? You ever had anybody do you wrong? does it hurt just a little bit do you whine I hate it when I have to go to the hospital I'm a whiner you know if I get at least a little pain I whine about it complain 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 and this and I told this lady I said ma'am I am so sorry I'm complaining she says forget it all guys do <laughs> that was not consoling though. No. she says they're all like that oh well is that true All the girls and women are shaking their head like this, yes? Well, well. Anyway, but I want you to see this verse 3. See there in verse 3. So as you run your race, and you're facing a lot of fiery trials, remember, consider him, consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest you be wearied and faint in your mind, because the things that will happen to you will play on your mind. They cause you to become weary and faint. Faint means to pass out. I, I quit. You get weary, I quit. That's why Paul made the statement in 2 Corinthians in chapter 4. He says, having such a ministry, we faint not, means we don't quit. We don't quit. You get tired, yeah, but don't quit. Get weary, but don't quit. And you can have a lot of things happen to you that you can't explain. And the more right you try to do, the worse it sometimes seems to get. Well, doggie. I want you to take your Bible and turn to the book of Psalms. All the way back here to the book of Psalms. Psalms 22. Psalms 22. Now, let's just take a little gander at our leader. You know, the one that paved the way for us, our example? Well, that was Jesus. Did he know how he was going to be treated before he came into this world? And did it anyway. Now you and I don't know what's going to happen to us. And we're scared to death. Somebody might not like me. They might reject me or whatever. Well, there's, there's a price to pay. We are all of the flesh. And the Bible says in the 103rd Psalm, he says that uh, God pitieth us. <laughs> Isn't that nice to know? Because he says, he knoweth that we're but flesh. And we get tired, we get weary, and we want to quit. Just stop being faithful. But here in the book of Psalms in chapter 20, I want you to look there. And he says in verse 1, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Do you have any clue who said that? I'm sure you know. Jesus said that when he was on the cross. But look what else was said? You died in verse 6. But I am a worm and no man. A reproach of men... And you ought to underline this, despised of the people. He so loved the world, God so loved the world, and then he was despised. All right? If they despised him, what did they despise him for? For doing wrong? He did right. Jesus never did any wrong. They hated him without a cause. Have you ever felt that sometimes people say and do things to you and it's just not right? They do it, and they don't have a real good reason. They just do it. You know, there are some people that are just plain mean. But, you know, you need to back up just a little bit. Have you ever been mean? Have you ever been really unkind to somebody? You ever snap, say things in a mean, ugly, cutting way, just to be mean? So I'm not like that. Oh, no. No. Everybody else is. But look what he says in verse 7. All, see that word all? All that see me laugh at me. They laugh at me. They scorn me. They mock me. They make fun of me. And so they said, well, he trusted in the Lord in verse 8. Let's see if God will deliver him. Mocking. If you're who you claim to be, why don't you come down off of that cross and then we'll believe you. They wouldn't have believed him. Like I said before, I'd have come down and zapped him one way and went back up. Slapped their jaws. But the Bible says he was led as a sheep to the slaughter. He opened not his mouth. He didn't try to defend himself. He didn't stop them from doing what they could do with him, anything they wanted. The greatest power in the world. And he allowed them to do that to him. So whenever we get weary and faint in our own mind, he says, consider him who endured such contradiction of sinners against himself. And then you pose to encourage yourself in the Lord and see what God's going to do for you. Look at verse 11 where he just simply makes a little statement here. He says, be not far from me for trouble is near and there's none to help. That moment of despair when there's nobody to help. But you know, you and I know, if nobody can, I can always pray and God will bless and God will help and God will come through. We can go to the throne of grace. Isn't that wonderful? Jesus couldn't. There was no throne of grace for Jesus. His own father, God, he wouldn't listen to him. Turned his back on him. You see, you and I have that hope, regardless of how bad it gets, we know that the Holy Spirit of God lives within us and will never leave us and never forsake us. And yet Jesus cried out, Why hast thou forsaken me? He says, none to help, nobody to help. Nobody. Now, whenever you get down a little bit, consider Him. You're supposed to remember what He went through. Remember, He was our example. I read that and sometimes it almost makes you want to cry just to weep a little bit when we consider how much whining we do sometimes. I was up there um, with my son-in-law, and he always has a nice little way of putting things. And um, whining about something, all of a sudden he went, he says, you want some crackers with that? I said, what? He said, you want some crackers. Crackers and wine go good together. That was my son-in-law, my ex-son-in-law. <laughs> well, not really your ex-son-in-law, but look here in Isaiah 53. I want you to look at that real quick. Isaiah in chapter 53. We've read it many times, but I want you to see it just one more time. When he starts off there in Isaiah 53, in verse 1 he says, Who hath believed our report? And, uh, Whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? The arm of the Lord is the power of God. That's Christ. Christ came into this world. He's revealed. He revealed God Himself. And He says, He shall grow up as a tender plant. Little tender plant. Jesus was born and He lived. And He came into the world and the world was made by Him. And the world what? The world knew Him not. And rejected Him. So look in verse 3 and just... Look at those first few words there. He is despised and rejected of men. He knew before he ever came he was going to be despised. He knew he would be rejected. Now you may not mind if you died for somebody who was worth dying for. You know that loved you. You might not mind dying for your wife if you knew your wife really loved you. You may not even mind sacrificing for your kid because, you know, you love your kids. It's close, and they're a pretty good kid. But what if it was your worst enemy? Your worst enemy. The person who hated you, said, all mine of evil. Would you want to die in their place knowing they despised and hated you and want nothing to do with you? Now, we think we know love. I don't think we have much of a clue because we're even tainted see with a sinful nature we really don't understand true real love and we don't show real love sometimes our showing of love is motivated by either something we want or something we want to do or probably most times about ourselves but that's not what it is here and so when you read that and you think this is what he did Look in verse 6. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. The Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He did not speak in his defense. He didn't try to get away. He let them do whatever they wanted to do to him. And that they did. Look in John chapter 1. John chapter 1, verse 11. Sometimes it's good just to refresh our minds about who he is and what he went through. Because he says, we're all running a race. And we're all living in this world and you're going to suffer from a fiery trial. And so because it sometimes can get so hot, this fiery trial, you just want out. You want to just quit. You think, if I wasn't serving God, this wouldn't have happened. Maybe it wouldn't. If I hadn't given to the church like I did, I I probably wouldn't be lacking a little bit right now. Or if I hadn't done this or I hadn't done that, if I hadn't taken a strong stand, maybe all this wouldn't be so bad. The Bible says, if you live godly, you shall suffer something. Not everybody's going to love you for it. Not everybody's going to appreciate you for it. You would think they would, but they don't. It's not going to happen. So here in the book of John in chapter 1, look there in verse 11. In verse 11, he came unto his own, and his own received him not. Now it's one thing for the other people, the Gentiles, to reject him. But hey, Israel, hey, you don't know this, but I'm the one that gave the law. I'm the one that told Moses what to write. I'm the one that sent Moses down there to... Let all those people come out of there. I'm the one. I am that I am. And they didn't know who he was. And yet here he was, the God of the universe. He created the world and all the people, and here he is. And they received him not. But anyway, this is uh, what you might have to go through. Sometimes the closest ones to you, sometimes it's family, can be the hardest on you. Because you can try to win them to the Lord and sometimes they'll tell you where to go in no uncertain terms. And sometimes they think they're good enough and who do you think you are trying to preach to me? I was told by my mother, my stepdad, to get out of the house and leave them alone if they want to hear preaching and go to church. That hurt. When I would sit there and talk to my sisters and I couldn't get through to them, it hurt. When they'd mock and they'd even make fun of me, but it hurt. But I didn't quit. And eventually, they all trusted the Lord. Just keep sowing seeds. You see, when you get the sword in your hand and somebody says, I don't believe that thing will cut. Just keep using the word and keep cutting. After a while, they'll bleed. And so just have, don't throw away your sword. Well, if you don't believe that, I, okay. I don't believe the Bible. Okay, I won't use that then. No, keep using the sword. And I'm quoting Ephesians two eight nine or 1 John five thirteen. Keep on the preaching. Keep on the going at it. Look in the book of Luke chapter 4. The book of Luke... In chapter 4, Luke chapter 4, now Jesus in his day went to the synagogue. Uh, that's like us today, going, we're going to church. So we go to church because that's where those who know the Lord and love the Lord all go. So all those that go to church are those that are saved and love God and know how to manifest the fruit of the Spirit. Right? Ugh. So Jesus went to the synagogue. See, there in verse 16, and he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up, and as his custom was, as his custom was, he went to the synagogue. He went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day, as his custom was. Except this day was a little different. He stood up for to read. And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah, and when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. And he begins to read. And as he go through, he read all of this down in verse 21. And he began to say unto them, this day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. And he's quoting from the book of Isaiah 61, where it says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. And it's anointing me to preach the gospel and heal the sick and blah, 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 blah. Hey, That's me. And they were thrilled. I mean, they were overwhelmed with such great joy. With open arms. These were the religious people of the day. The leaders. You know, the leaders. Now, it makes a statement there in verse 28. And all they in the synagogue. All they in the synagogue. When they heard these sayings were filled with joy. Wrath. Well, what did he do wrong? Was he telling the truth? But they didn't believe the truth. They wouldn't listen to the truth. Now, so here you are today, and there's times when you'll try to talk to somebody, and they don't want to hear it. You can even talk to religious people. I, I go to church. Me and Betty stopped at a place last night and saw a guy sitting over there. I guess he was. He was kind of like laying in the seat, you know. And uh, he had a newspaper and had uh, some, something to drink, tea, I guess it was. So I got ready to leave. I walked over and says, can I share this with you, give this to you? I'd like for you to read it. He looked up at me and says, not interested. So I slapped him. <laughs> no, I didn't. I says, He said, you can keep it. Thank you, sir. I'm walking up. But sometimes I get to win one. But now, what if I let that? Oh, I've been rejected. I can't handle this. I'll never do that again. You know, that's what some people do. Because they can't stand being rejected. It's hard. See, you're in his place. You're doing this for the Lord. He's just using you. So when people are mean and ugly and unkind, you just pretend in your mind. They did that to him. They did that to him. You remember when Paul was Saul and he was doing ugly to God's people? And on that Damascus road, the light shone, and he says, Why persecutest thou me? I ain't. Never seen you. I don't even know who you are. I ain't bothered you. He was doing it through those people that belong to Him. I belong to Him. You belong to Him. So when people are mean and ugly and unkind, just think that they're doing this to the Lord. I'm just representing Him. They're treating Him that way. And you might be able to, you know, salvage a Christian life out of this. Otherwise, you're going to get so hurt and offended by so many things that doesn't go your way I quit. I quit. No, it says here in verse 28, And all they in the synagogue, when they heard these things, were filled with wrath, and rose up and thrust him out of the city, led him unto the brow of the hill, whereon their city was built, that they may cast him down headlong. But he passing through the midst of them went his way. Now where did this take place? Where did this take place? See there in verse 16 again? And he came to where? Nazareth, where he had been brought up. Hometown. Probably, the People probably knew who he was. Look what he says down there in verse 22. And all bear witness and wondered at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. And they said, is not this Joseph's son? We know who he is. Wouldn't you like to have a little respect from your own kind? From your own because of how good and godly you are? But it may not happen. But when it doesn't, you're going to consider what Christ went through and you're going to be able to live with it. You're going to live with it. I know you will. Look in John chapter 7. The Gospel of John in chapter 7. John chapter 7. Jesus here talking to the the people there in Galilee. See there in verse 1 of chapter 7, after these things, Jesus walked in Galilee. And he says the Jews were going to kill him. So they tried to tell him certain things. And so he departed from Galilee. And As he goes on down through, he got into a good discussion with them. And then in verse 37, in the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried. And he said, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. And as the scripture hath set out of his belly, shall flow rivers of living water, which they that believe on him should receive. But the Holy Spirit had not yet been given. In verse 40 it says, Many of the people, therefore, when they heard this saying, set off a truth, this is the prophet. Others say, this is the Christ. But some said, shall Christ come out of Galilee? Hath not the scripture said that Christ cometh of the seed of David and out of the town of Bethlehem where David was? So there was a division among the people because of him. A division because of him. You see, whenever you present the gospel to people, you're causing them to make a decision that divides, it separates. They become a child of God. They're going to heaven when they die. It splits, it divides between the believers and the unbelievers. And some people can handle that. Some people can't handle it. Just think in some foreign countries, if they trusted Christ as their Savior and anybody found out, they'd kill them. They'd kill them. If they found out that they had accepted Christ as their Savior. A lot of Muslim countries, if you denounce the religion of Islam and you become a Christian, you're dead. They'll kill you. They'll cut off your head. Literally cut off your head. And there's a lot of people that have paid a great price over the years just because they trusted Christ as their Savior. And so sometimes people keep it quiet, keep it secret. Can a person trust Christ as Savior and never tell anybody? Yeah. Now, there's some people that say, no, 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 no. Yeah, yes, he can. I think Nicodemus for a while was one of those. And because of fear of the Jews, they kept quiet. So you notice what it says here in Verse 43. So you ought to underline verse 43. So there was a division among the people. Why? Because of him. You are going to cause trouble because of him. You're going to suffer consequences because of him. Because you're associated with Christ. I am a Christian. I believe in Jesus Christ. Now, in this country, in America, we're privileged that we can state that without fear and no consequences. But that doesn't mean it's going to stay that way. There's already people that are doing everything they can to so regulate the church that a church cannot operate. They're going to get to where they want to try to hamstring the pastor because, you know, you can't teach anything contrary to public policy. Public policy. It won't have anything to do with the Constitution. It's just public policy. What is accepted by the public? And that's according to the will of the people. And so some dark days may be coming. But look down in verse 47. Jesus answered the Pharisees, Are ye also deceived? To believe on Christ, they suffered the persecution of somebody saying, Are you deceived? I've had people call, you know, I wouldn't listen to that Yankee fellow. You know, he has a, that's a cult he has. Y'all are Yankeeites. They all know nothing you little Yankeeites. <laughs> well, before me was Hankyites. <laughs> <laughs> so, I was with somebody today and got to talking about the name Yankee. It says, are you with the Yankees? No. But anyway, I guess I. Y'all are a bunch of Yankees. <laughs> I, had to, I had to say that. That's anyway, take your Bible and turn to the book of Mark chapter 3. The Gospel of Mark in chapter 3. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Mark chapter 3. Look in Verse 22. Wouldn't it be nice if everybody just loved you and didn't call you names? Do you realize that from the day I was born, I was cussed at? <laughs> the very first word my father ever said to me was a cuss word. Blankety-blank Yankee. I heard him. I remember that. I cried. <laughs> Got me right here. In verse 22, and the scribes uh, which came down from Jerusalem said, he hath Beelzebub. And by the prince of the devils casteth he out devils. You are of the devil. Now, you want to serve the Lord? Get ready. Get ready. Because it's not going to be a cakewalk. It's not going to be a piece of cake. You're going to offend people. And when you offend people, they want to offend back. And they'll say hurtful, mean things. And you know, sometimes, believe it or not, it can even come from fellow believers, fellow Christians. That'll even hurt more. The closer it gets to the from the people, you can get hurt uh, even easier. And I've had so much of this happen to me, I had to get to the place, and I kept, I've even mentioned this point to you. You have to serve the Lord like you've never been hurt. Serve the Lord like you've never been hurt. Because if you get too hurt and you don't get taken care of and you can't live with that, it'll make you bitter. You will get bitter. And when you get bitter, you want to strike back. Because you've got to get even. That's what bitterness does to you. And it says the root of bitterness springing up defile others. Because you get other people bitter also. That's why you have to be very, very careful. Look in John chapter 15. The Gospel of John in chapter 15. We know the Gospel of John is a tremendous book on explaining to us how to know that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and that by believing in him we can have life through his name. But also you find in the book of John about being a servant of the Lord and being fruitful. And I um, sent out this last newsletter and I had a young girl that emailed me and she told me, she says, Yankee, keep those letters coming. Because she was in our ministry a long time ago. I met her for the first time in 1968. 68. 46 years ago. Something like that. And she was just a little girl. And I met her at a church. Northwest Evangelical Free Church. On 8th Avenue. In Arvada, Colorado. I knew her mom and I knew her dad. And her dad would fly me to different places. And not get a chance to speak. And knew her mom pretty well. But that little girl had a lot of problems struggling growing up because of just situations. And she was a sweet little girl, darling little girl. And she'd have her hair in long little curls. Well, that little girl grew up and came to our Bible college. And then that girl, she's married now and does a missionary work over in China and she just sent me a letter and she said they had several hundred ladies that came out and about 25 trust the Lord and here's this little missionary lady that's I guess she's maybe 50 years old now, somewhere through there and going to China, graduated from my college years ago but I, I know some of the hardships but she didn't quit. She just wouldn't quit. And this Brenda Widgren that she used to play the piano in some church that would teaching her all kind of stuff. And she came out to our youth meeting, her name was Brenda Wigren, now it's Brenda Sauter. And that little girl, she was about 15 when she came to our ranch, and she trusted the Lord. And all she knew how to play was those mostly rock songs. But she became a piano player. And it was hard getting her mind from the one into the other, but she would play it in ranch. And just a 15 year old girl. And next thing you know, she was just blossoming. She came to the college and now she's married and and she's on that video that they did for Awana. And now they're showing that thing all over the world, I guess, wherever there's a Nauana place. And I think, you have to wait sometimes so long to see. But what I'm thinking about is this. They didn't quit. There's some girls that didn't quit. A lot of times we always think about it, it's the men. We need these men. Well, if the men won't rise to the occasion, God bless the women. And if women will do the job, because men won't do the job, Praise the Lord, we got some women that will serve God. Even in our ministry, I'm thankful for every woman that we have that will sacrifice. And it has to be a little harder on a woman because of the things they have to go through. And yet, and women are a little bit easier to offend, but they keep going anyway. I won't quit. I won't quit. You know, there has to be a certain amount of stubbornness in a woman. Aren't you glad that some women just have a little, listen, listen, I said a little stubbornness. Not a lot, just a little. Have you ever met some women who had too much stubbornness? Don't say it now. But praise the Lord that some of them are. But here in John chapter 15, he talks about. Having the love that God wants us to have. See there in verse 12. This is my commandment that you love one another as I've loved you. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Ye are my friends. If you do whatsoever I command you. What did he command you? Lay down your life. I laid down my life for you. So what did you want me to do? I want you to lay down your life for me. I want you to live like I live. And I want you to love like I love. And I want you to hate the things of this world like my father hates the things of this world. And I want, in other words, Christ wants you to be like him. He wants you to be like him. So nobody can make you like him. Not a soul. Only he can make you like him. And as you yield to him, in all the ways that God teaches in his word, you can be just like the Lord. Now think about it. Just because life is going to be a hard place to live, and there's going to be all kinds of complications, do you want to quit? Do you want them to make it easy for you? you say, well, a little bit. We're always afraid sometimes because of the unknown. We know that we're so helpless as we face tomorrow because we can't make some things happen. But we know, and we're supposed to believe, that the Lord, who has all the power and all the world, lives inside of us. And He can make a way. He can make a way. So whatever you're facing, can He make a way? Can He walk you through it? Can He walk you through it? Can you trust Him? Can you trust Him that much? I think I can. I know I can. And so God's Word tells us that this is something that is, is important. But look there in verse 18 quickly. If the world hate you, if the world hate you, You know that it hated me before it hated you. So now how do you feel? Everybody hates me. Oh, good. Good. I'm glad to hear that. So what? Now what? You're going to quit because of it? You're going to whine and pine your life away? You're going to quit, give up? Why? Because somebody hates you. Big deal. And the Lord who never wronged anybody. Look what they did to him. Are you any better? And so it says here in verse 19, If you were of the world, the world would love his own. But because, because you're not of this world, but I have chosen you out of this world, therefore the world hates you because you belong to me. You belong to me. And so that's why he makes this statement in verse 23, He that hateth me, hateth my father also. And look in verse 24, if I had not done among them the works which none other man did, they had not had sin. But now they have both seen and hated both me and my father because they saw what I did. He could feed the 5,000. He could walk on the water. He could perform all these miracles and make the blind to see and the deaf to hear and raise the dead. He could do all of those things. So that's why he says in verse 25, look in verse 25, in the last line of verse 25, you ought to underline that. He said, but this cometh to pass, that the word might be fulfilled that is written in their law, they hated me. And what's those last three words? So sometimes they may hate you without a cause. Only because you're a Christian. Only because you stood for what was right. Because you want to do what God wants you to do, and and you might suffer some persecution from it. Happens to all of us. But you don't quit. You don't quit. I'll look up here very quickly, and also you that are watching by internet. This hand represents you and me. This wallet represents sin. We all have sin on us. God loves us. Now, He hates our sin, but He loves us. And to pay for sin is eternal separation from God in hell. But God doesn't want us to go to hell. He wants us to go to heaven. And to go to heaven, we have to be perfect, as righteous as God, to live in heaven, to be with God. God doesn't allow one sin in heaven. It's a perfect place. And because we've all sinned, we're all short of perfection. So we can't save ourselves. There's nothing that we can do to earn our way to heaven. We have a debt that must be paid. So God says He would send His Son, Jesus Christ. He's the Lord God in the flesh. Now He knew before He came into this world how we were going to treat Him. He knew we were going to Be hateful and mean and despise him and all those things. When he came, look what they did. So he said, I changed my mind. No, he didn't. He was led like a a lamb to the slaughter. He opened not his mouth. And the Bible says that the iniquities of us all were laid on him. And he died and paid for all the sins of the world came back from the dead. The sins of all the world has already been paid once and for all. But only those people who believe He did it for them, God gives eternal life. God will give you the free gift of everlasting life. See, just because He paid for the sins doesn't make you as righteous as God. That's why when you believe that, He gives you His righteousness. If He gave me His righteousness, that's good enough to go to heaven on. Because, see, I have a payment for all my sins, Now I have the righteousness of Christ. I go to heaven on what he did on the cross for me. That's such good news. And he says, these things have I written unto you that believe that he did it for you, that you may know that you have eternal life. You can know that you're going to heaven whenever you die. Let's pray, shall we? With the head bowed and eyes closed and no one looking around. Why not right now just talk to the Lord and say something simple like this. Lord, I don't understand it all. I know I'm a sinner, but I believe that when Christ died, I believe He died for me. And right now, I will trust Him as my Savior, as my only hope of going to heaven. And friend, God said if you would do that, He would save you, save you from hell, give you eternal life, you'd be His child, and you'd go to heaven when you die. That's why He was willing to suffer, to die, despise the shame Endured the cross because he was looking down the road, about two thousand years to this night, to this moment, when somebody will hear what he did and believe him. And you are to be his hope and his joy. He wants to rejoice that he saw the the fruit of the payment that he made. You are his inheritance. The father said he would give you to the son. So if you've never trusted Christ and you'll do it right now, would you just slip your hand up very quickly and put it right back down? I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to have you forward. But right where you're sitting, say, that made sense to me. I want to be certain of going to heaven and preach our life for you to pray for me. Anyone before we close? Anyone at all? Even you that are watching by internet, right where you are, you can trust Christ as your Savior. There's no trick to it, no gimmicks. God will save you right where you are and give you eternal life. And you can know that you're going to heaven. Father, we thank you so much for this time together. Bless each one for being here. We pray, Lord, that you would take this church, small as we are, and use us in a great way. And we thank you for it in Christ, and we pray. Amen.